0: This podcast contains adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised.
1: It's okay. So I go back to the housing unit. They gave me a pass. I went back to the housing unit to call them, and I get straight to the phone, go straight to the phone, get on the phone. They had made it ready for me, made sure it was open for me. I call them. no one answered. So I'm like, uh, what? Uh, so, um, I went into, I wanted to go into the caseworker's office. And when I went to go in there, there was this big line. There was like, I don't know, seven to eight people, maybe standing in the line, give or take. And I remember looking at the group of guys and I said, Hey man, everybody here knows that I've been waiting on this decision. They said, yeah. I said, I was just, I was just told to call my attorneys and they're not picking up. I need to find out what's going on. Can I jump? And they said, yeah, go ahead. And if you know anything about prison culture, you don't jump. But if you got enough respect to ask for permission, sometimes they'll say, go ahead. So, go ahead. so I jumped on, I jumped line, went straight into the caseworker's office. They said, you're supposed to call your attorneys. I said, I just did. They're not picking up. They said, We'll try again. You know, just go out there and try again. They're going to pick up, Josh. you got to do this.
2: Trust me. It's okay. So, I'm your host, Bob Miller. You're listening to The Lawless Files. Mr.
0: Abbott, my name is Charlie Weiss. I'm representing Josh Keiser, the person in jail for the murder
3: of Michelle Wallace. Right. That's kind of the moral in me. That's just the way it is. I'm just willing to take whatever it was. You know what I mean? it was like something that wasn't right with that girl and to me i think hey you know it's like to me i was calling for an ambulance for her in my mind you have to point the finger at somebody else probably to a point to get keys off or whatever and to believe bonnard is i don't blame you but the man is lying
0: you don't remember telling Kathy Fowler anything about the Michelle Wallace murder? No. They never did prosecute his dad, though, did they? No. But his dad had given you guys money.
4: Yeah, he gave us money on occasion.
0: To buy math.
4: Uh-huh. He was a user, too.
0: If you say today that I'm positive that was the car, that would be lying, wouldn't it?
3: That would be lying.
0: Because you can't be positive. No,
3: I can't be positive. You weren't
0: positive at the time, were you? No. Have you talked to Mark about that? Yeah. What did he say?
4: Said he didn't say it. It was a lie. I said, Mark, if you did say it, I'll understand because you said anybody would have said anything to get out of federal trouble, and he still denies saying it.
0: Did you believe that Farrell suspected you in the murder?
3: Well, I don't know what to think about that.
0: The reason I, you know, he kept asking you, was the window all the way down? Yeah.
3: Was the window all the way down? He drove me nuts.
0: He kept driving you crazy?
3: Yeah, driving me crazy on that.
0: So did you get in the back of your mind that they might think you had something to do with it?
3: Maybe, but I think it was more vibes of other people around him. I don't know. I got vibes that, Hey, you know, they was like, you know, something is really weird with you, Abbott, or something like that. I couldn't put my finger on it, but he acted like he was lying to him about this damn window, man. It drove me nuts, you know. And how could I reach in and grab this girl with the window was up? Yeah, the window was down. He had his feet up on his desk. I remember him having his boots up there, and he would say, the window was down, huh? He acted like something was going on. I said, yeah, it was down. He was like, well, how far down was it? I said, I don't know. I reached in there and grabbed her, so it had to be down some, you know. And he kept acting like I was lying, you know. Kind of gave up on it, and I was like, what the hell? Did you
0: tell people that you thought those cops, the the sheriff's people, the people in the sheriff's office were
3: a bunch of assholes? Oh, I probably did say that. Who knows? I don't know. I'm sure, you know, if I'm going to tell you something. I'm really not the type of person to, I call a spade a spade if you, if something is weird with you, you're gonna, you know, I should let you know about it, but he, did they treat me any different, this Rick Walter, I can't remember ever meeting him, but I'm sure I did, I can't remember meeting him, and he hates my guts for some reason.
0: Why do you think he hates your guts?
3: I don't know, I don't know, I don't. I think maybe he might think I had something to do with her murder in some way, and then I'm sure that he's taken some kind of lying statements from some meth whore or something like that or tried to make it look like some Bill Bonner thing. He knows damn good and well he was lying about everything he says, and that I'd love to talk to him and ask him, you know, because because there's way there's no way he could pass a polygraph test. And you know, I'm one of them... What's a polygraph test worth today? Do you all believe in them? Do any of you? Do you? No. Do you?
2: No. Wow. There is no record in any of the files that I've seen that Bill Farrell directly questioned Mark Abbott about the window being down.
0: He used to have a pond or a fishing lake that you used to go out there to.
3: Is that the the Johnson, the the fishing thing? Yes. I don't know who Sammy Johnson is. Was there, where is the fishing lake?
0: And you don't recall telling Roy Burton? Who is Roy? I'm sorry, Ron Burton. Okay. Does that make any difference to you, whether it was Ron Burton?
3: No, it wouldn't make, well, in the first place, I don't care if he was the president. I would have never said anything like that to somebody. Like what? He says that I said they got the wrong person. That's in that article over there. I got one of them articles. Yeah, I'd have never said that.
0: You never had second doubts as you read about this, that they had the wrong person in jail. Yeah, I have. And that's normal, because some of the things that came out at trial didn't prove to be accurate. Well, there you go. Okay. Like, uh, let me... Okay. Like, somebody's seen Josh Kieser at a Halloween party. Exactly. Having an altercation with Michelle Lawless. It turns out it was Todd Mayberry rather than Josh Kieser.
3: And now, there are all these younger people. Yeah. Because I've never... Any of these people like that Ray Ring. I never knew them. Did you... But... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, that's some of the reinforcement people. You know, you hear it's like, why would, I was like, I believe this is keezer. I believe this is who I seen. But then you hear people, oh, he was 20 people seeing him at the party. He was arguing with lawless. You're thinking, wow, that dude is messed up for killing that girl. You know, he knew her, he had problems with her. He asked her out on a date. I heard, you know, and stuff like that. And it, Reinforces your beliefs, you know. Well, then you found out so many years later that wow, this girl's lying or they were bullshitting.
2: Just a quick note about what Mark Abbott said there. When Mark Abbott identified Josh Keezer out of a lineup and the white car out of a lineup, there was no information about a party or that there was an argument or that Josh may have asked Michelle out on a date. None of that information was available. When he picked Josh Kieser out of a lineup, the only information that was available really was that the snitches had come forward, and even that wasn't publicly known. This idea that he picked out Josh Kieser because it fit in this other big narrative just doesn't ring true as far as the original identification.
0: This is an interview that he did with you on eleven eight ninety two. He said he first tried to find you at 9:24 and then at 10:15 and finally Drury arrived at your residence at 12:45 and you were It was
3: Drury that was there at my residence west.
0: I'm just showing you Right, right, right. what he recorded on 118. 11 11 118 was the next day. The next day. Yeah, it was the next day. Same day, but it was daylight now in the morning.
3: Right, he asked about that window too. Well, it's like what does he mean by you know what it's what I was thinking when I picked up. So then I got on my way home. I turned right around and came back to you. What the hell is that? I don't know. I didn't say that. He took it. I don't understand what he means by it, all the way down. He kept asking me about that damn window. What's up with the window? Can you guys tell me, huh? You're looking at me like I'm stupid.
0: I don't think we want to be part of the deposition. You do? We don't. We can't testify in the deposition. We can only ask you questions.
3: Well, it's just perplexed me, you know. I seen it has rings, something shiny on her hands, which I think were rings. He couldn't tell me if it was a girl. Long hair is the only thing, east side or west side. What the hell do you mean by that? Oh, where I was. He was about her size, you know, pretty good sized person. Wow.
0: Now, You can see you're describing, then, the hitchhiker that jumped off the shoulder of the road. Right, yeah. But I think you will see in here, there's nothing mentioned in
3: here about the people at the phone booth. No, probably ain't. Oh, I don't know. Why wouldn't I mention that to Beardsley? Now, this was an incident that scared the heck out of you. Yeah, it did. Yet, you
0: didn't mention it when you went down to the police department the first time, and you didn't mention it the next morning when Mr. Beardsley and Mr. Drury came to talk to you.
3: I don't know why I didn't. I mean... I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's like I'm not investigated or anything. It's like, what happened, you know? And I don't know why I wouldn't have said anything to them about that car.
0: I think Mr. Spillane was asking you about the issue at the top when you asked who was she, and Beardsley said it was Michelle Lawless. And you say from Benton, which indicates that you knew she was from Benton.
3: No, I never known the girl. Now you're trying. I couldn't tell you what she looked like. Don't you think some people would know that? You know, there would be some kind of phone call or something like that. Did Kevin
0: Williams ever say... No, Kevin
3: didn't know her. You guys don't understand. Kevin didn't know her, and I didn't know her. Now, maybe he knew the Lawless family. I don't know. Her dad, I think, wasn't he a body man? Didn't he do body work? He might have. Okay, well, I mean, Kevin lived a few miles from there. That's all I'm saying, you know. And I understand you get up the next morning after something like that, the main... Issue is, is she okay? To a point, you know, you ain't not knowing anything about the investigation, you know? Scott County is a small town, isn't it? It is a small... And they know a lot of people, but I don't know her. I mean...
0: Do you remember this interview that they did with you as they record it?
3: No. Was this at my house? Yes. Yeah, I might have next morning, shoot, probably hung over and... Well,
0: remember, he says he came by at 9.24, and you weren't there. 10.15, you weren't there. And at 12.45, he finally found you. Where were you between the time you left Heather Pierce's house and when they found you at 12.45? That's the mystery. Oh, was it a mystery to you? Right. We can't find out where you were. No one knows.
3: Well, I know it was with Kevin, but I thought it was in the afternoon. I mean, I may have been working. I don't know if I was working that day or not, but I mean, it's something, how am I supposed to know? I mean, I don't know what I did that early in the morning. To be honest with you, I thought I called and he came over in a couple hours within an hour. So for me to remember where I was that morning, no, I don't know. At some time
0: that morning, you and Williams could have gotten together and gone over to talk to Glenn Farrell, right? I believe it was in the afternoon, dude. I don't believe it was in the morning time. In the afternoon, remember that you went back down to the Scott County Police Office after this interview and talked to Brenda Shivitz. This one here or this one here? Well, I haven't shown you that one yet.
3: All right. Well, this is a, he said, first attempt, 9.24 in the morning, second attempt, 10.15, third attempt, 12.45. By what time did I talk to him? 12.45. And he was at my house at 12.45 the next morning. All right. And then I'm going to show you Abbott Exhibit 11,
0: which is a report by Brenda Schivitz on the same day, and said that you returned to the Scott County Sheriff's Department at 1.30 that day, 1.30 in the afternoon.
3: Now, didn't Beardsley tell me to go down there and talk to Bill Farrell? Is that not correct? I don't know. Yeah, I believe they wanted me to go. Uh, They said, you're coming with us, if I remember correctly.
0: I think he probably asked you to go down to the station.
3: All right, okay. All right.
0: Okay. So you did go down there that afternoon then, after you had this discussion with Officer Beardsley.
3: and I believe that's true. Okay. I believe that's true. That's when he had his foot on the table or something. I remember seeing his feet interviewing me, him only. I don't remember her. She might have been there, though.
0: Brenda, in this report, says that you couldn't be sure whether there
3: was only one person in the car. Do you remember telling her that initially? No, I've always thought there was more than one person in a car. I've always believed that. I mean, there's no reason to lie. You know, what, what do you get out of it? I've always thought that. I've thought that for 13 years. Here in this prison, saying, you know, they ought to investigate, you know. It's really funny, after 13 years, all the people I see, and it's funny that they've never come to the other people I believe was in that car. If they had something to do with the murder, you know, usually it will come up after a certain amount of time. I can't remember what I was doing the next morning there. My dad owned a convenience store around the corner. I was probably working, went to do something there. I can't remember. I just can't, you know. I know I didn't go down to Glenn's that morning. Or I might have gone down to Kevin's. I don't know.
2: So in this section of testimony, we have Mark Abbott, once again, saying that his main concern the following morning was did she make it? But again, according to the dispatchers, the Abbott twin who came in said you, you need to get somebody down there, A girl's been shot and killed. So whoever reported the crime said something different than what Mark Abbott is saying in this testimony and, and it's different than what he was talking about to Beardsley. It's yet another example why all the signs point to it being Matt who reported the crime that night and not Mark. Additionally, Mark's obviously getting upset about the window situation. We'll get into some more of that evidence in a future episode.
0: If Ron Burton said that he was at this fishing lake with you, and you and he got in a conversation about the Lawless case, and you told him that you took care of the bitch, he'd be lying? And you already said, Bill Bonner, his statement that he gave to the police, that he had this conversation wherein you told him that you and Kevin Williams were involved in the murder, he'd be lying too. He'd be lying. And
3: Burton? Ron Burton? Burton, you got... I don't... Ron Burton. I don't remember Burton. I mean, the name... I wasn't much of a fisherman either, to be honest with you, but the name, I probably know him, but I just can't remember
4: Okay it was five years of federal prison then five years supervised release
0: was that your original sentence or was it reduced
4: Nah, no, my original sentence was yes my original sentence was 10 years of federal prison and then five years supervised release
0: and they reduced it yes Why did they do that, sir?
4: For testimony, me agreeing to work with the authorities.
0: In what case, sir?
4: In my conspiracy case.
0: Would that be the conspiracy case Mr. Abbott was involved in? Yeah. So you were willing to testify against Mr. Abbott if necessary?
4: No, they never asked me to testify against Mark Abbott. He gotten at 17 months after I did
0: but the conspiracy case that Mr. Abbott was involved in yes that was the case that you were willing to give assistance on is that fair yes did Mr. Abbott ever express to you that he was displeased by your giving assistance in the case that he was involved in
4: he was working with them saying stuff about me at the same time and his dad
0: did he say anything about
3: his dad sir
5: Yeah.
0: You talk about this case from time to time with Matt and Kevin Williams, don't you?
3: Every once in a while, they gave Kevin such blues. Rick Walters giving him such blues. What do you mean, blues? Well, you know, it hurts his business. He just, for a guy, he's just barking up the wrong tree completely, and I think he's looking for an answer. And they all, all the stories, see, Rick Walter hates Bill Farrell with a passion, okay? And anyway, this Bill Farrell calls Kevin every once in a while at home. He does? I think so, I ain't for sure. What's Farrell ask Kevin? I don't know, I don't have a clue, but you know, in this little statement that's Bonnard, so I call Kevin at home and I say, Kevin, I would never say anything like this, it's a bold-faced lie, why would I make up a lie, think about it, why would I do this? So even though I don't like Kevin all that much, lies like that shouldn't be spread, you know, especially from a detective or a lawyer, you know, from a detective. It shouldn't be said, and something ought to be done about him for even saying that. Out of all of it, for him even saying that, something ought to be done. Rick Walter hates Bill Farrell so much that he just keeps on with this case that he wants to make Bill Farrell look so bad. That's the way I look at it. This is a small community, just like you said, and this is... He fired Rick Walter one time years ago.
2: I'm going to interrupt this deposition to, one, emphasize what Mark Abbott just said. He just testified under oath that Bill Farrell called Kevin about this case several times. And two, to remind you that Walter told us in a previous episode that when he worked under Bill Farrell, he was told to back off of drug cases, and then he asked who he was getting too close to, And then Bill Farrell told him to get the hell out of his office. He was not fired at that moment, Walter said. um, and, And Walter resigned shortly after that incident. Fatic that he was not fired from his position. But
3: he hates him so much. He just keeps on and on with this Bill Farrell and he just keeps on. He makes up bullshit. I read bullshit in the paper. He's saying, I'm saying, why would you do that? You indicated. This is our sheriff, okay? How often do you talk to Kevin? Not very often. I might every six months, and I'm still kind of upset with him to a point. What was Kevin and
0: Farrell doing together? Why are they talking to one another?
3: I don't have a clue.
0: How do you know that Farrell was calling Williams then? He told
3: me he did. What did he say? I said, man, you know, this, is it possible that that damn Farrell I asked him questions, you know, is it possible? I'm sure they recorded every conversation I had with him. You can just get them all. Is it possible that what? Is it possible that Bill Farrell might have
0: set the kid up?
3: Yeah, is it possible?
0: Do you think it's possible?
3: Yeah, I think it's possible. I think that he... Knowing Bill Farrell, you no, think it's... No, 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 that's not true. Okay. I don't know Bill Farrell like that personally. You know of him? I know of him. You've had run-ins with him? No, I really hadn't had run-ins with him. It's, it's not like that. I'm not one of them devious people that run around just do crazy shit all the time around town. I just wasn't. Did he want a conviction so bad that it don't matter what, he just stayed on this kid? You see, these are things that I think about, and these are things I've asked Kevin Williams. I don't know Bill Farrell. Do you think Bill Farrell, because the way he acted when I picked out that car in that picture, he was guilty from that day on in Bill Farrell's eyes. So... Who ramrodded the investigation? Bill Farrell, you know.
0: How do you know Bill Farrell ramrodded the investigation?
3: I would think he did. I don't know for sure. He's the one I talked to. These interviews you say I had with her, they were with Bill Farrell. I don't believe they were with her. she just stand on the sidelines.
0: Okay. And Kevin has told you that Farrell has
3: called him? Yeah, he's called him a few times.
0: Talked about this case?
3: Yeah, he apologizes for what Rick Walter's doing
0: to him. Tell me what you remember about Saturday, November 7th.
4: I remember that evening we went to Carl's Christmas party and stuff like that.
0: Mr. Howell's Christmas party, sir? Yeah. You say it was a Christmas party, can you tell me what kind of party it was as far as what everyone was doing was there?
4: Eating and drinking. A lot of the employees of Lone Star Industries and all the guys that worked for Carl, he done it every year. That's when he give out Christmas bonuses and stuff.
0: Were you drinking the night at the party, sir? Yes. Were you drinking a lot? Yes. Who usually drove when you were drinking?
4: My wife, if she was with me, but she was never with me, so it was me.
0: Let me ask you, that night, was she with you, sir? Yeah. Was your son with you, too?
4: Yeah. She drove. I'm, I'm sure I was drinking.
0: And when she drove you, did she keep the keys? Yeah. And how old was your son then, sir?
4: Mm, six months, I think. I'm not sure.
0: You're not sure? mm How old is he now? 17. So let's work back. This would have been 1992. Let's see, be a little older than six months, wouldn't
4: he? I don't know. I'm not too good at math without a calculator.
0: Okay, sir. Let me ask you this. When you took him to the party, was he with your wife the whole time at the party, or were there other kids there, too?
4: There were other kids there.
0: Was she with him the whole time, or... Yeah. Oh, was somebody watching the kids?
4: No, we were there the whole time.
0: Basically, you stayed with your wife the whole time.
4: Yeah, yeah, because my girlfriend was there with my sister at the time, and she wouldn't let me out of her sight.
0: So you were pretty much with Mrs. Williams the whole time, then?
5: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, I didn't say Matt. He said, you know what? I grew up all my life getting called Matt a hundred times. He's an identical twin. He says, Matt, you still live where you used to? I said yes. And yeah, I did agree to it. It was a bullshit lie. I didn't correct him. But I'm worried about getting you know what I mean? I ain't got no driver's license. So if they find out I ain't got no driver's license, I'm getting a ticket. So you lied to Drury when, you said, when he said, are you Matt? He said, hey, Matt, do you still live where you used to? And I said, yeah, I do. But they came to my house, so they just thought it was Matt that lived there in their house, which it was me. Matt lived up in Cape somewhere,
5: I think.
0: I want to talk about Robin and Helen Natvig. You just don't remember them at all?
4: I remember a- woman named helen
0: did you have a little suzuki or sidekick or honda four-wheeler one time not not a four-wheeler but a a four-wheel suv yes when would you have had that what what years
4: 94 95
0: Do you remember riding with them in your car when you were driving past the Feral trailer park where you and Matt had gone the morning after finding the body and you pointing out to them, that's where it all happened down there. I think Mark Abbott was involved.
4: I don't remember saying that, but I could have, I mean, they were, if if it's the same Helen I'm thinking of, they lived in commerce. She got a husband named or boyfriend named.
0: I think Robin was also sentenced to prison for meth at one time.
4: Is that her sister?
0: That's her husband.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Robin.
0: They have like six kids.
4: Yeah, they lived in an old building at Commerce. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know who they are. I, I didn't know the name honestly earlier, but I do now.
0: And do you remember telling them that's where it all started and things got out of hand and Mark was in there and somebody from Feral Trailer Park or the, the guy who rented the trailer or owned the trailer was down there?
4: No, never said that.
0: Do you remember saying that you, telling them that you believed Mark was involved in it?
4: I might have said that because at the time, me and Mark, like I said, wasn't on speaking terms. I don't recall any of that, but I might have.
0: I know they're saying here that you said you really couldn't tell whether it was a girl or a male, but you saw rings on her fingers and you concluded it was a girl.
3: Well, I concluded it being rings. I saw something shiny by her hands, and to me I thought it was rings, you know. But when she flopped over, she was a small person. She just flopped over real easy, and it wasn't, you know, a man, 200 pounds, you're not going to move him around like that. You're not just going to just grab him and they're going to flop up like that. You know, it was like split second. It's like, oh, you know, at first I thought she was drunk. I really thought she was just drunk and passed out. But man, she...
0: Did I ask you what time you arrived? yeah okay what did you say
4: I don't remember what time it was
0: was it fairly early fairly late or do you know
4: mm, early it was after everybody got off work and it was during a weekday I guess I don't remember I, I'm sure it was after everybody got off work
0: would it have been Saturday or it would have been Saturday wasn't it November 7th did you work on Saturdays
4: yeah we worked all the time except Sundays
0: did you see Mr. Abbott at the party that night Yes. Do you remember how long you had been there when you saw him?
4: No, he was with my sister.
0: He was with your sister?
4: Yeah, and my girlfriend.
0: So your sister and Mr. Abbott, did, did they arrive together?
4: Yeah, I think so. Do you remember how long they stayed? They left before we did. I don't know exactly what time it was because I was wanting to leave with them and I don't remember what time it was.
0: Why did you want to leave with them?
4: Because my girlfriend was with my sister, and Mark was seeing my sister at the time, and I was seeing Laura Conklin at the time, and we were all going to do stuff together.
0: And why isn't it that you didn't leave, sir?
4: Because my wife threw a fit. Me and her got into an argument. So you stayed at the party? Yes.
0: Let me ask about, where did you go when you left the party? Home. With your wife and your son? Yes. Did you guys do anything in particular at home or just go to bed?
4: Just went to bed and argued, I'm sure.
0: Do you recall arguing?
4: Yeah, we argued the whole evening at the party. Yeah.
0: And do you recall, you recall continuing to argue after you arrived home?
4: I think I pretty well went to sleep, passed out when I got home.
0: I'm sorry, 98, sir. Page 98 at line 13. He asks you who was at Carl Howell's party besides you and your wife and I guess Mr. and Mrs. Howell. And you say, my mom and dad. He asks you their names. You give their names, Daryl Williams and Ann Williams, Jimmy Howell, Connie, his girlfriend. I'm not sure of her last name. Gary Howell, Clara, Donnie Rutz, uh, wife. I'm not sure of her name. Dennis, Dennis who, Well, he's the boss at Lone Star and his wife, Ron Morgan from Benton, and Mary Beth, his wife, and my kids and all their kids, Billy Bradley, Nikki Bradley, Gordon Bradley, and Pat Bradley. Now, you didn't mention Mark Abbott being at the party. Do you remember now that he was at the party, or are you not sure he was at the party that night?
4: Yeah, I remember he was there. I I don't know why. I wouldn't have said his name. I didn't even say my sister's name. Did I? I don't think so. Or Laura, the girl I was, my sister's friend that I was seeing.
0: Well, if we go over back to 89, where we started out, it says on line 11, you and your wife left about one o'clock or 1.30 in the morning from his house. Yes, it was the night she got killed. And that's the night we're talking about. And you say he had a big barbecue for all employees is what, we, is what we was all there for and the families. Question, how about how many employees did he have? You say five or six. He says, this was at his residence? Answer, yes. You left there about one o'clock, 1.30, yes. And you would have gotten home about what time? Five, 10 minutes later? Answer, not very long. It took about five or 10 minutes to get from there uh, to my home house. It's only a few miles away. Question, You know Mark Abbott? Yes. Did Mark Abbott talk to you that night? No. The night of the 7th or the night of the 8th? Well, he talked to me the following day. Sunday, I guess it was. I guess my question is, you were asked whether you talked to Mark Abbott that night, and you said you didn't. Now you remember he was there, or at the time, was this a more accurate statement?
4: I don't know now. Maybe somebody put words into my mouth. I don't know. Seems like they were there. Because I know Laura was there. My sister was there. And that's why me and my wife was arguing. My wife told me that. I didn't remember it exactly, but she reminded me of it. And that Laura was there? Yeah. That's why I didn't leave that night. I know that. When did your... I know Mark was there, though. When did your
0: wife remind you that Laura was there, just recently?
4: No, I mean, a couple years ago when when all this started coming back up.
0: And when you told Mr. Lowe's back when he took your deposition in September of 93 that you had not talked to Mark Abbott that night, it was only the next morning when he showed up and called you, Right.
2: Right. So now Kevin Williams has added two more names to the story. Laura Conklin, his girlfriend at the time, and Missy Williams, his sister who was dating Mark. Both Laura Conklin and Missy Williams were with Mark Abbott when they went to pick up Kevin at the party. So I've played you the most important parts of the depositions from Mark Abbott and Kevin Williams. Clearly, they're full of contradictions and lies. Kevin denied things that Mark said, Mark denied things that Kevin said, Mark called Bill Boner a liar, Kevin said it was Mark's idea to get Glenn Farrell, Mark said it was Kevin's idea. But a big part of this story is Kevin Williams' alibi. Terry Williams, who was Kevin's wife at the time, confirmed his alibi in the 2008 deposition. But in 2010, she retracted that alibi and stated that she remembered arguing with Kevin that night, but said he left later. And remember, Glenna Pierce, Heather Pierce's mother, said she saw Kevin at the bar with Mark the night of the murder. She even remembered the conversation because she said Kevin arrived later than Mark, and later than he normally did. He told her he couldn't meet up with Mark when he was supposed to. So that statement strengthens Terry's account that Kevin had left the Howell party later, after Mark Abbott, Melissa Williams, and Laura Conklin left the party. Now, we're going to get into some tricky territory here. I had two sources tell me that Melissa Williams went to pick her brother, Kevin, up at this feral sales lot denied the murder one of those sources is brian conklin brian conklin who you've heard from in previous episode is laura conklin's brother he told me laura told him this information so i'm going to play you a portion of the interview with brian conklin a few months after i did this interview brian conklin died from natural causes she didn't i mean i don't know kevin williams married but she said she didn't know, I don't know what happened, you know? Yeah.
5: But I heard through the grapevine that Missy Williams might've went down there where he worked later and picked him up. I don't know, my sister was there. Missy Williams were both
4: there with him. I don't know if they were at that party they were at, but the party was down at Sykeson, I never did run around down there.
5: But supposedly that's where she was coming from, Michelle Lawless.
2: So what what do you think happened uh, that night? i mean you said you think that they were at a party in sykeston but Mich- michelle wasn't at a party she was with people that entire night was she pregnant when she died
5: no she wasn't okay. well, the, the, the people started to remember she was pregnant
4: with mark's baby or whatever i don't know what i always heard is she had she had been messing with mark here and there and heard something about them running that stuff back and forth in california threatened to tell him what i heard you know
2: I mean, that's a that's a theory that a lot of people have. Yeah. Um
5: there, I mean they're basically circumstantial, but like I said, Kevin Williams don't want guts enough out of the groups that was running together yeah.
4: to do it.
2: Yeah. And he's right there at
4: work. And then I, I even heard later my sister said a little something about well, Missy had to go pick him up. I don't know where he was, but that's all I heard about that.
2: This past summer, when I started hearing that Laura might know some information about the murder, I reached out to her. Eventually, she sent me a text message. This is what she said. Quote, to be honest with you, I wish I did know something about it so this could all be over, because I feel sorry for her family and her. I had a friend that was going to school with Michelle and said she was seeing Mark and thought she was pregnant by him when they were in college. That night, we went to the Howell's house for a company party. I rode with Missy and Mark went by himself, and he tried to get Kevin to leave with him to go out. He did not go out with him. Kevin would not leave with him, and Mark got mad and left. Me and Missy later went down to Country Nights and one of the bars that was down at Sykeston looking for Mark because that's what we always had to do because he was out messing around on Missy and couldn't find him anywhere. We came back. I had to be home by midnight. I dropped Missy off at a party across from the trailer court where Missy and Mark lived. Missy called me the next day saying Mark had found a dead girl she went to school with. I've heard one million things since that happened, and I've heard it's all over drugs. I have no idea. I also heard that she was pregnant, but then the story got switched around and said it was with Kevin's kid, but she told people at college that she was pregnant by Mark. This is all I know, so please don't contact me again, and if you talk to the police department, they should have gave you my report then. By now you know that Mark Abbott is said to have confessed to the Michelle Lawless murder to multiple people. I have another example. It's one of Mark's old prison mates. I had an email exchange with this inmate. He asked for anonymity for fear of retaliation, but I'm going to read his email correspondence to me. Quote, Yeah Bob, Mark and I were cellmates for a short time at FCI Oxford in Wisconsin in 97 or 98. I already talked to the Sheriff of Scott County and told them what I knew. His name was Rick. He and others from the office even came to my house to personally interview me, but that was years ago, and I've heard nothing from them since. I've always thought it was because I believe that the reason she was murdered was that she was working, quote, undercover, unquote, for the Sheriff at that time, investigating meth dealing in the Cape Girardeau area. I believe that because when I asked Mark why he slash they did it, I asked, if she snitched on him, and he said no, that she was working for the sheriff. I asked how he slash they killed her, and he told me that he, quote, put a bullet in her head, unquote. I also asked at that time if his twin brother Matt was there with him, but he said no, that he was in town. He never told me who else was there, but he did tell me about a guy they called Chief, who was a major player in their meth dealing operation. But the way he told me about the event, he was not alone when this was carried out. I told him he shouldn't be telling others about this as a lot of guys locked up are just looking for a way to lose some time for cooperation and an unsolved murder would work for a reduction. He said he wasn't worried as they convicted, as he put it, a homeless loser for the murder, unquote. I then asked him for more specifics about where they were when he said this. I wanted him to provide context to the conversation. This is what he said, quote, It was a Sunday morning and I was out of my cell, but in the Washira unit and playing cribbage with a guy from Rancine, Wisconsin. His last name was Juden. I can't recall his first name. On weekends, we had headcount at 10 a.m. prior to going to Chow Hall for lunch. Mark and I shared the same cell, but he worked in the Chow Hall, so he wasn't in our cell when I returned to our cell for count. A little later, the cell door opened and Mark came in. Apparently, his name wasn't on the outcount. So we had to return to our cell to count in Washira house. Sometimes counts took a little while as the unit officer had to wait for a second officer to show up as they needed two officers to count heads. Now I'm not exactly sure how it got started, but somehow I mentioned how this girl on my case was the reason I got caught. And I proceeded to tell him how i lay awake at night thinking of how to get revenge against her when I got out, how I'd envision torturing and killing her. You have to understand how angry I was at the time getting a 13 year sentence. Time has a way of softening the sharp edges of your anger and I no longer have those strong feelings of revenge, but I helped that girl out a lot and when she got caught up in it she not only gave me up but she lobbied the federal agent investigating me to go after a life sentence. So then he told me he had a girl on his case too and that they took care of her. I asked what they did, he said they got her out in the woods. I asked what did you do, beat her up? He said no, I put a bullet in her head. That's a quote. I'm from northern Minnesota, so in the woods means to me actually being physically in the woods, but to Mark I believe he meant in the country. I asked him why, like did she write you out? And his answer was, no, she was working for the sheriff. That's also a quote. Whether that was knowledge or suspicion, only they know. I asked if his twin brother Matt was with him, but he said no, that his brother was in town. We talked about having an identical twin and if they ever switch places to mess with people and he told me they did. Then I told him he shouldn't be telling other prisoners as a lot are looking for a get out of jail free card and this could be their ticket. He then informed me he wasn't worried as he said they convicted some homeless loser for the crime, but he never told me that he helped convict the guy. After they finished count and released us back into the unit, Mark went into the chow hall to work and we never discussed it again. So in 2008 and 2009, many things were happening simultaneously. Investigators were chasing leads, learning new things, collecting statements, and learning more and more about who might have killed Michelle Lawless. It certainly was not Josh Keezer. And as they found out this information, the chains holding down Josh Keezer were getting looser and looser. Dawn Worley had testified that Josh wasn't at her party. Chantel Kreider testified that she was wrong about her identification. Ron Burton testified that Mark told him he took care of the bitch. Kathy Fowler testified that Kevin told her he was there the night of the murder and implicated Mark Abbott. Bill Boner testified that Mark had told him he saw Kevin shoot Michelle. Snitches came forward to recant, explaining they made up a story or were pressured or threatened to testify. Josh's alibis testify once again that he was hundreds of miles away from the Benton, Missouri exit ramp on November 7th and 8th, 1992. Sheriff Rick Walter, his detective Brandon Cade, and Josh's attorneys found documents that had not been handed over to the defense. And then Mark Abbott and Kevin Williams testified, contradicting themselves over and over and over again. There was only one conclusion to be drawn. Charlie Weiss and Steve Snodgrass the brilliant attorneys painted a pristine picture of innocence by exposing the truth buried in that Scott County soil.
1: I go, they know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Right? So I go back into the pod. I call again, now they answer. I found out when I called them that they had been trying to get a hold of me, but for some reason the prison wouldn't let them talk to me directly. Like that, I needed to call them, so they were trying to call through to talk to me. But at the time, for whatever reason, um, they were they were meeting with um, some representatives that deal with innocence cases in their office when they got notification, and Daryl Burton. Um, another exoneree was in the office he was at Charlie and Steve's office and he had been in for I think 26 years and I have been locked up with Daryl for a long long time when he was exonerated anyway Daryl found out they couldn't get through to me so Daryl knew the personal number to one of the lieutenants in the prison so he called them and said hey you need to have him call his attorneys now I said, oh, and that's when the officer ran into the gym, right? And told me you need to go back to your cell and call your attorneys. So this is the order of events. They didn't, but I finally gave them the answer to the phone. They answer the phone and the first words out of their mouth is, We got it. I said, well, We got what? We got what we wanted, Josh. Uh huh. We got actual innocence.
0: Thank you for listening to The Lawless Files, a production of Leadhound Publishing, LLC. The Lawless Files is hosted and edited by Bob Miller and co-produced by Bob Miller and me, Tyler Grafe. We'd like to thank Jacob Wiegand, Jeff Long, Rachel Long, Jesse Dew, Kara Kaminsky, Chuck Kaminsky, Allison Miller, Shawnee Graves, Laura Ritter, Bobby Clubs, MJ DeGraff, Ben Matthews, and Mason Dukacich, who helped voice the court transcripts. Again, please go to TheLawlessFiles.com and subscribe.
2: Coming up on The Lawless Files. If she was shot, the
4: final shot that went through her back and out her right breast and land she was laying on her right forearm and the bullet lodged in her forearm what would be the chances and the, the odds that whenever you picked her up that she would fall back exactly where that trajectory of that bullet would have went through passed through her body into her forearm that was it, it was impossible there's no way that that would happen that it would land she would land exactly in the same position.